Welcome to episode 791. Today, this is directed at the Hooked on Phonics dropouts. The reason why you are seeing a lot of the popular club names in the title has to do specifically with these people. When I did the Mongols case that's ongoing in the Ninth Circuit, as well as the motion to vacate right now, people actually came back and said, well, screw them, let them lose. And I was like, wait a second, how ignorant can you really be? This is going to affect everybody so much that you have First Amendment organizations, ACLU, all them out there filing briefs in the Ninth Circuit Court in support of the Mongols. So I say to myself, you got all these people, different organizations, you got other clubs, all the big ones supporting this cause even though they might not get along. And we got a bunch of idiots in the comments section hoping they lose. So I put all the titles up there or all the club's names up there. Hopefully that helps you hook down phonics dropouts to understand that the club that you might be supporting could be affected by this and you can understand a hell of a lot better why this is so important. You have to start taking out, take away your hatred of the club that's involved in this and understand to put your club in their position. It affects everybody. So we're going to go over some of the stuff that's happening right now as far as what a trademark is, as well as asset forfeiture. And this has happened where here in the United States, clubs are getting their clubhouse taken away. Why? Because you had a few idiots that did something, so everybody has to suffer because then they're called a criminal gang. This has happened to the Mongols, where they're trying to take their patches. It, it's happened with the outlaws, where they took their clubhouse in Indianapolis. A lot of stuff that is in the background that people have to understand just how out of control this government really is. So let's take a look at really what forfeiture and collective membership marks are that's going to be our first one we're going to go to now the explanation that they give here is most marks are either trademarks which are used in connection with goods or service marks used in connection with services but there are a few other kind of marks one of those is collective membership marks Now, this could be motorcycle clubs, this could be elks, moose, all that kind of stuff. So it don't just apply to clubs. And I know on Sosta Ghost uh, over at Demon's Row, there was a question about how a club goes to register and all that type of stuff. And it's a complicated process, which they go through. 
you know, you have to get the corporation in order. You got to run uh, corporation bylaws. It's a real business type of deal. And then you go to the feds or registered on the state level. There's trust involved. It's a big, big deal when you're registering something like this. Um, collective membership marks are used to indicate membership in an organization rather than to indicate the source of goods and services. And that is what the feds are targeting right now, is the actual logo. Could you imagine, because a few idiots got everybody in trouble in an Elks Lodge, and then just because of them, the government comes, well, that's a criminal organization. Later on, I'm going to show you some of their training materials, and you're going to like, get the hell out of here. Really? Yeah, we're going to get into that. So could you imagine a regular fraternity organization getting their stuff pulled? This is the stuff that could happen in the future if this case is lost. And there are major clubs supporting this. So for you supporters, understand that the clubs you're supporting actually in turn are supporting this cause even though they might not get along with everybody on that side because they know this could affect them so maybe you should follow the lead of the club that you're actually supporting it's just a suggestion anyway it could uh and right here it says unions fraternities, sororities, and other organizations use these type of marks. By protecting the collective membership marks, the organization prevents others from falsely indicating their membership in the group. And that's one thing clubs are having trouble with right now is you got a bunch of morons out there going on wish.com or any other of these type of sites and buying full colors. What is wrong with you? I just don't understand how you could do that. Anyway, among the associations that have registered collective membership marks are motorcycle clubs, and they use this as an example, the Mongols. Now, Mongol Nation registered the foregoing mark for, quote, indicating membership in an association dedicated to motorcycle riding appreciation. The mark and other marks that may not be registered within the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, there's where a lot of the times you're going to want to go, not on the state level, are displayed on clothing, flags, other property, all that type the stuff the specimen the organization filed with the u.s patent and trademark office to show how the mark is used to indicate membership in the organization and then it goes into how it recently you know the case and all that stuff this is a couple years old thing but i wanted to make sure that you get a good understanding of what the collective membership trademark is and what they're going after. See, trademark law 
you're getting in a whole new program, man. And that's a legal question that they're trying to answer right now. Can the government take control of a trademark? And like I said in the other video, this could go all the way to the Supreme Court because this question has never been answered. And that's why you have all these type of different organizations jumping in and filing briefs on behalf of the case. They might not like the Mongols, but they know as well as we do, or hopefully we do, that this affects a wide range of spectrum of all types of different organization. Now let's go to this. FAC urges the Ninth Circuit to protect free speech in the Mongols Motorcycle Club local dispute this is just one of them just one of them that are filing these amicus briefs in this case now it goes on to say and you should know this since 2008 the federal government has waged an unrelenting war on freedom of speech under guise of asset forfeiture and we're going to talk about that what that is from their own mouths as a result of litigation pursued by fac's current legal director and his former position with the aclu of san diego the court rejected the government's unjustified attempt to bootstrap prosecution of individual members of the Mongol Nation Motorcycle Club into censorship. Now you're talking censorship of uncharged. Uncharged members and supporters. Yeah, hooked on phonics dropouts. Supporters are even in there. By confiscating their jackets and vests displaying the club's logo. Now, from the brief and their position, the Ninth Circuit should affirm the district's court's order blocking the government from seizing the Mongols' collective membership trademarks. FAC takes no position on the underlying criminal convictions also at issue on appeal. And this is from within side the brief. Without a strong command from this court, other law enforcement agencies may be tempted to replicate the government's attempted abuses by exploiting forfeiture powers, again, very serious thing, in similar prosecutions where the accused individuals have no standing or incentive to defend the constitutional rights of third parties. FAC legal director David Loy wrote the amicus brief, quote, those third parties would risk standing undefended at the government's mercy. And oh boy, would they love that. Especially if there are low-income people of color without ready access to counsel, unlike the union's 
churches, sports leagues, and fraternities against whom the government has not sought forfeiture of trademarks to symbols. Now, they join the amicus brief by California Attorneys for Criminal Justice. Now, this date filed April 27th, 2022. And it looks like it's starting to heat up over at the Ninth Circuit if they just filed their amicus brief. And it lists, uh, you know, the different attorneys and stuff like that on there. But this is the case or that they're joining into. Now, let's talk about asset forfeiture, which is, to me, just a big corporation within the Department of Justice. They're there to make money. And they don't care who they hurt. It doesn't matter. And you're going to see a video here in a second of the Outlaws MC clubhouse raided in Indianapolis, taken away, stripped, and even a member's personal house was taken because he was associated with the Outlaws. Asset forfeiture management staff. They actually have a department within the Department of Justice that sole responsibility is to manage assets taken by the government. You know, those sales, the auctions and stuff that you see all the time. It's a federal government component of the United States Department of Justice and reports to the Deputy Assistant General for Administration and Controller. Here is their mission. And see if it fits. AFMS mission is to aid and support federal law enforcement agencies and task force with achieving the following goals. Punish and deter criminal activity by depriving criminals of tools and property used in or acquired through illegal activities. So now it's their job to punish? I thought that was up to a court. Sometimes these people take property... Without Yeah, they charge somebody, but they're not found guilty, nothing. They just take their stuff. I thought we lived in America, not Australia. Yeah. Promote and enhance cooperation among federal, state, local, tribal, and foreign law enforcement agencies. Now they're dealing with foreign agencies that are law enforcement? Really? To take people's stuff? Recover assets that may be used to compensate victims when authorized under federal law and ensure the program is administered professionally, lawfully, and in a manner consistent with sound public policy. Interesting. Interesting. Professionally? Yeah, right. We know how that works. Lawfully? Hell. 
Yeah, right. We know how that works. And this was established in 1984 under the Comprehensive uh, Crime Control Act. And this is something else. They operate like a bank, man. Now, this was back in 2015. The video you're going to see is from 2015. It is not recent, but only an example of what took place. And here's the start of it. The federal agents, along with officials from Indiana State Police and Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, seized east side properties belonging to an Indianapolis motorcycle gang on uh, that morning was a Friday. So we're going to take a look at this video to give you more of a background. Here it is. State police raid two homes on Indianapolis's east side associated with a long-standing motorcycle gang, a gang the government says is associated with decades of crime in the city. RTV6 reporter Julie Persley is live along New York Street near Belleville with the latest. The U.S. Marshals and Indiana State Police SWAT team raided these two buildings behind me here earlier today and seized the property. They moved in at about 10.15 this morning. It's here on New York Street, just west of Bevel, on the east side of Indianapolis. They say these two pieces of property were linked to the Outlaws Motorcycle Club. U.S. Marshals raided the Outlaws building along with the state police and brought in bomb-sniffing dogs. Federal authorities tell us one one home belonged to a member of the Outlaws, Brian Glaze. The clubhouse next door had Outlaws Incorporated listed as the owners, according to federal authorities. Now, no one was here today during the raid and seizure. Neighbors tell us the Outlaws started moving out over the weekend. The majority of everything was gone by Tuesday. Now, marshals say the government told the Outlaws they had until this Wednesday to move out, and then they would take control of the buildings. This stems from a federal Case dating back to the summer of 2012 when the government raided the outlaws buildings and arrested more than 40 people u.s marshals say they told the outlaws this day would come i have been over here in law enforcement over 30 years and whatever happened to the outlaws they still came back home and now they don't have a home to come back to will this make the community safer it should I mean, the actions of placing them in jail was important. They've done years of extortion and other type of crimes. But now if they want to do it, they're going to have to start back out when they get out of prison from some other location than their home place. Marshals say they are now locking up the building, boarding it up, and they tell us that the outlaws actually took out some of the doors to the building, and they believe that was their final goodbye to law enforcement and government. Now, people here in the neighborhood say there was a lot of activity earlier this week on Labor Day and Tuesday. They say the street was lined with trailers and that the outlaws even brought in a forklift to move some of the furniture out of here. Pieces of motorcycles, a pool table, and they said they even told them that they would be leaving the neighborhood. Some of those people told us they didn't feel comfortable talking on camera because they feared for their safety. However, I just got an interview with one gentleman. We will hear from him coming up later in the day. So, from that video, you can see 
that they seized a member's private home and only gave him a few days to get out. Then they took all the property that was left or couldn't get out with the collective membership mark. I believe they even went to court to try to get some of the property back, but the judge and denied that motion because it wasn't specific. Come on. Anything with the collective service mark on there should have been given back. See, this is how, you know, when they said 40, it, it, it's not all members. You got supporters in there. You got associates in there. But because they were affiliated, the Fed said, let's get it all. That's how dangerous asset forfeiture is, because a lot of times it happens before, before there's a conviction. And to say professionally that they're going to co conduct this? Yeah, no, uh-uh. They're the most corrupt people around. Come on. There is a training manual out of L.A. that they use and remind you that we've covered this within the L.A. police department. Cops form their own gangs. One of them they call the banditos. Can you believe it? What a kick in the balls. So to say that these people are innocent is messed up. Messed up because they're supposed to be law enforcement, protect and serve, but they're forming gangs within the department. And these are the same people that are going around saying they're professional or they're doing the right thing. Come on. You want to see some of the nonsense within their training uh, video or PDF, whatever you want to call this? Popular patches found on outlaw biker vest. Now you're talking these patches were used a long time ago, but they got it updated in a new training deal. You know, they, they specifically in the police academy talk about these clubs that are in the description that are in the title because you hooked on phonics dropouts can't understand Everything affects everybody. Blue means wear had oral sex with a cop. <laughs> then it goes purple wings mean wear had oral sex with a female corpse. Come on. Really? That's how ignorant some of these people are. Then they go in and talk about the trends. This stuff is from the 70s, 80s, maybe. Look how old this stuff is. And this is the stuff, the 82 pages, by the way, that they push. This is the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, which does not assume responsibility for its use. Check consistency. Then why put it out? Why put it out? Stuff's old, man. Real old. Anyway, I thought I should give you a little, or actually all of us get a little education here about everything that's at stake.
So hopefully we quiet down the supporters who uh, super supporters that don't understand what the hell's going on. Anyway, we're going to go to the second half of the show right now with China Dow. We'll be right back after this.
as defined in the American Heritage Dictionary, second college edition, the noun rock is defined as a relatively hard, naturally occurring material of mineral origin, a naturally formed mineral rock. That's not rock. Play with the devil, die with the devil. Now, back to good, wholesome, politically correct entertainment. Oh, for those that are joining us from YouTube, yeah, I know I was rambling on in the first segment, but I think it was an important segment to talk about. A lot of Hooked on Phonics dropouts out there. And talking about Hooked on Phonics dropouts, I got my co-host here, China Dow. How are you doing, China Dow? Happy Monday! <laughs> you should have seen this the This is the song gave. that doesn't end. Okay, no. you're done with that one. Yeah, you're right, killing fine. me on that. But you should have seen the look I just got when I said Hooked on Phonics Dropout. She didn't like that one too much. No. Why don't you like that one too much? I'm a Hooked on Phonics Dropout when it comes to the English language. I'm not a Hooked on Phonics Dropout, period. <laughs> Interesting thing I wanted to talk to you about. What? You went to your favorite drinking hole yeah. on Friday. Yeah. And you know, we got a lot of stuff coming up, but I just wanted to get this out there. I'm a little confused here. Okay. You went to your local drinking hole. Yeah. And you ran into a guy that used <laughs> to go to our club. Yes, I did. <laughs> but he was with a different girl. Yeah. I guess that... He was married when he came. Yeah. And now they're divorced. Yeah. And he's married to someone else. And now he's married to somebody <laughs> else. I guess he didn't learn his lesson. <laughs> anyway. Rude. Why did they break up? Why did they split up? I want... This is how serious... Because we get this all the time. People asking us about it. Why did they break up? Because she decided that she would tell her husband... That she was going out with her girlfriends, and instead she would go to swingers parties without him. Without him? Yes, as a single female. That right there is cheating, don't you agree? Yes, because he had no knowledge. When, if she was to say, hey, I'm going to go to this party, this swingers party without you, then that would be, he would know. Mm -hmm. But he had absolutely no idea. What do you think of that? Because there's a lot of people that always say... Well, it helps a marriage. It does if you're if you if you tell them everything. I but, mean, but the statistics are ninety eight percent of the time it ends bad. Seriously, that's what they say. That's the uh, statistics on it. Oh. And in his case, it did. Yes. Why do you think that? Why do you do you think they become so enamored with what's going on? They just forget their rules. Probably. Well, I, I mean, in this situation, I mean, she basically flat out said, well, I'm going out with my girlfriends. Why do you think she would have to lie if they were in the lifestyle anyway? Why lie about it instead of saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Because I guess she was frequenting a party with the same person. Oh. Like the same, yeah. It was a single guy. Yeah. So I guess they were going as a couple. Do you think it should be allowed where single guys should come to events like that? Well, yeah. Well, why? Because if there's some, a single guy, what do they got to offer a couple? Some, some couples like single men. 
But it, most of the time, it's ending up like this. Uh, what do you mean you don't know? You own the damn swingers club. We never had that issue. Well, obviously we did since they come to our stuff, but it wasn't because of our stuff. No, that because they weren't just going to ours. They were going to another. They were going to other clubs too. Mm-hmm. But, and the single person that she ended up with, he was never at any of our parties because he told me so. The guy told me. So do you think in swinging, there is a side of deception? With some people, obviously. Really, there shouldn't be. Well, obviously, in their relationship, there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's with another wife. Yes. And they swing. Yes. And they were actually there with another couple. So how does he trust the woman he's with now... After what happened. Because it took him a long time to decide that he was going to be with her, like married to her. Mm -hmm. Made sure that she understood everything and what happened with his first marriage. And Why would he even think after that, bringing the new one into a lifestyle like that? I have no idea. Don't you think that's kind of stupid? Well, I mean, if it didn't work the first time, my question is, is was it because of him? Now you bring that up, why is it because of him? Because maybe she wanted to do stuff at the parties that he didn't want to. So is that his fault? I didn't say it was his fault. He has a choice in the matter, don't he? Yeah, and so does she. Yeah, but if you're married as a couple and doing this stuff, it was all, well, like you say, communication. Yeah. And the rules were broken. So what's that mean? He shouldn't have to worry about something like that. No, he shouldn't. Because he put his trust in her. Yes. So if he he was there with another couple at the bar? Yeah. There were two couples. They were with another couple at the bar. So what, It was it like a date night for them? Yes. <laughs> it was. How did you feel? Because they kept on looking at you. How they did kept they... staring at me, and I was like... They were at one end of the bar, and I was at the other end of the bar, and they kept staring at me. And then I went over to get my favorite bartender's attention. Which she was kissing on you. Yeah, and telling me she loves me. (laughs) (laughs) Chinatown might have found a girlfriend. And uh, so I went over to get her so she can get me my my drink and my my Pepsi. And I was standing next to the guy's wife. Mm -hmm. And he kept staring at me. How long were they together? Who? Did you ask him how long they've been together? Who? The new the new woman and him. They've been together since 2017. Damn. Yeah. They yeah. So that was a rebound cuz if we had It was a rebound of course, yeah. 2015. They divorced Damn. It, they divorced in 2000 and early 2016. So I guess he Damn. Th- I guess he thinks because it was a winter marriage, so it was mm-hmm. the end of uh, end of 2017 when they got married, and they got together a few months after the divorce. Okay, continue how they. No, he kept staring at me, and you you know how when you're somewhere and you could feel somebody staring at you. Well, that's I, how I kept felt. <laughs> I hate that feeling. That's how I kept feeling while I was standing there. So I looked over, and I smiled, and I nodded, and I'm like. In my head, I'm going, why the fuck does he look familiar? 
<laughs> but I didn't say nothing. Then his wife goes, excuse me, is your name? And then said my name. <laughs> so they basically knew you from there. Yeah. And they said, did you used to own such and such a place in South Beloit? And I said, yes. <laughs> and they're like, holy shit. He looks at me and goes, I used to go there all the time with my first wife. <laughs> what boundaries do you think he needs to set in the second marriage now? Oh, they only do couples. Mm-hmm. They they used to do single women and single males, and now they only do couples. And do you think that it's safer that way? For him to choose something like that after going through a divorce and stuff? I mean, if that's what they I still do. can't get him get over him wanting to do the lifestyle again. Yeah, you figure he would have gave it up after the first go round. I think that would have been the wise thing to do. Well, he wanted to continue it, and I guess she was already into it from the get go. Cause whoa, yeah, whoa. Mm. Don't tell me he met her at a party. Oh, I don't know. I didn't ask. No. That's something you should have asked. I know, but come Usually on. It was already awkward enough because I finally remembered, because he reminded me how I remembered him, and yeah, it was a little weird. So why... See, no, uh, it, she, it couldn't. I don't know. Because that has me thinking, She now. didn't look familiar, I'll tell you that much. Because if she, he met her at a party... I think that's the worst thing to she get didn't, together. She didn't look familiar, and neither did the other couple, but... But don't I mean, you agree that would have been the worst thing to do, was meet a future wife at a swinger party? Yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> Besides a little weird, it's knowing, well, wait it's a probably second. probably a glutton for punishment. Well, you just said it right there, a glutton for punishment. That would have been craziness, man. I mean, the only benefits of something like that would be the fact that they all know the, you know, they they already know the lifestyle and they know the rules and the regulations and all that shit, but that can also kick you in the ass because look what happened with his first marriage. (laughs) It does all the time, every time. So. What's funny is I find it that it's usually, what is it, middle age that gets into the lifestyle? Usually middle age. Yeah, they're in they they're in their thirties. Thirties, forty or upper thirties, forties. Yeah. That's when it starts. Most of the time it seems. I mean we always had some younger ones, but mm-hmm. But the more mature the better. Yeah, I guess. So that must have been the most awkward thing ever. Yeah. At your drinking hole. Yeah, that was really weird. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. Did I had you get to the, did you get to meet the other couple? Yeah, I, I was introduced. <laughs> <laughs> and they said how they met he told them how he knew me uh-huh. so yeah that was a little weird <laughs> why do you find it weird now i had to walk away from that i'm like okay well it was really good seeing you and they he of course had to come up and say goodbye when they were leaving right but why did were you embarrassed of your past no so why did you feel weird I don't know. I just never expected to run into that at my neighbor watering hole. <laughs> no. There's probably more than you know at that place or any of them. Well, bars. I used to have one that used to come into the gas station uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was kind of weird. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> You're never freaked out. No, but the one that used to come into the gas station all the time never said anything, but, you know. We would give each other looks like, yeah, huh? We know where we know each other from. <laughs> well, I guess, but for me to be called out in the middle of the bar, 
You never thought that would happen. Hell nah. Who would have thunk? Well, anyway, uh, hopefully that helps uh, people that have been asking about that, because we get that all the time. You got to be careful, and you got to watch out. Anyway, anyway, do you think a person knows he or she is dying? Do I? Yeah, personal experience. Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, you want to know? Let's hear. Okay. Because this is like a phenomenon, ain't it? Well, I don't think so. I think everybody knows when it's near the end. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, when my dad was sick and we were at the last hospital he was at and they said that uh, he was going to go to hospice, uh, he looked at me and told me he wanted to go home. And I said, yeah, we're going to bring you home. And he he told me not that home. Mm-hmm. So he knew he wasn't doing well. Right. And now, that Now, with your dad. Yeah. Or anybody for that matter. They say there is important tasks before a person dies. Yeah. And they have an opportunity to do five important things, according to this article on VeryWellHealth.com. The first one, they apologize for past mistakes. Yes. Two, they forgive others for their mistakes. Yes. Three... Thank those people who matter most. Yes. Four, say, I love you to those they love. 100% yes. And finally, say goodbye. Uh, I think it's more they they want permission to go. So they want to hear from you that it's okay. Yes. And they want to make sure that they hear it from the ones closest to them before they go. And again, this is for people that know they're dying. I'm not talking about accidents, stuff like that. But it's kind of a gift when you know you're dying. That way you can accomplish some of this stuff. My dad accomplished all of those. Why is it so important, like, apologizing for past mistakes? Why would it be I think important? It would dep- I think it would depend on the mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail about what my dad... Is it because you don't want to go... You want to go with the... Having clean, luggage. You want you want to go with the, uh, uh, a clean soul. A clean soul. Yeah. You don't want to have anything weighing on you when you go. And it seems the first two here, it's apologize for past mistakes and forgive others for their mistakes. Yes. Yeah, he forgave my mom for being a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you said it they want to go with a clean slate yeah they 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 want to go they don't want to leave like they don't they they don't want to pass and feel like they didn't finish what they needed to finish they want nothing left undone yeah they want everything that they wanted to achieve in life to be done mm-hmm. like I, I i know for a fact that he did talk to me and each one of my brothers and he asked me, it was actually the day before he passed, the night before, he asked me where my mom was. And I'm like, she's in the kitchen. Tell her to come here. <laughs> so I did. Because by this time, he's already talked to my brothers and myself. And we all told him 
that if he feels he needs to go, that we will be okay and mm. he can go ahead and go. Do you think that scares a person, though? It didn't scare That's him. That's dying. It didn't scare him. But do you know what I mean? Some maybe, but him it didn't. I think it was a relief. It gives him more peace. He was in a lot of pain, so it gave him more relief. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was the hardest. It was hardest for me to tell him it was okay. I was the last one he talked to. I didn't talk to him till after he talked to both my brothers and my mom. I was, and everybody had to clear the room when I talked to him. I wouldn't let anybody. Stay That's because you want a peaceful moment with the one that you love. Yeah. So that actually, you were there when it was going on with my grandma. Yeah. All my brothers flew in, everything. Yeah. So, that telling them goodbye, is it more for them or more for the person saying it? Both. I think it's for both. Um, Because they want to be at peace, and at the same time, they're trying to comfort you. Ain't that weird how that happens? I think they want uh, you to be okay with the situation and with the fact that you know they're not going to be here and it says right here without the opportunity to do these valuable things your loved one could die with unfinished business yeah they can oh well people that pass in their sleep i mean they they're passing with unfinished business and that's one thing that always because you hear a lot of people well i want to die in my sleep well, <laughs> well, I, I I was actually I was actually at uh, this is an ex boyfriend, but I was at his house the day before his dad passed, and uh, he before he went to bed that night, he actually talked to all his sons and both his daughters the night before. I don't know what the situation was. Uh, I went in and said a few things, but. Mm-hmm. He uh he talked to both his kids and then he just didn't wake up the next morning. Wow. Well, that's kind of like that lady over here that died from that cancer. And she was a little younger though. Yeah. But they uh, unfinished business, that's just a hard-hitting deal right there. Yeah. And it said it seemed like a dying person can't possibly feel hopeful but dying people do retain an amazing capacity to hope do you think people fight it too much and worry and scared too much of it what do you mean the person that's dying no do you think people in general are it should be a peaceful thing that they look forward to i'm terrified it was funny the other day I don't know where I was going with this fucking thing. I was looking up the oldest people in the world. Yeah. And one of them was 117 years old. Yeah. And the thing that she wanted the most was to go to heaven to see her family because she's been here too long. They were actually hoping for it. Now there's a lot of people that are like that. I understand with bad diseases and stuff. Well, there's a lot of people that get up there in age and they'll even tell you when they're, you know, when they're sick or when they're, you know, 
getting closer to death that they're they're done. They don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> they they just don't. Now is that considered giving up or is that considered accepting what's going to happen? I think they're accepting what happens. They're accepting what's going to happen next. I don't think they're giving up. They're basically saying that they're ready. And it is funny when people say it's all right to go. Yeah. It's like why would they need permission kind of? But or is it again just It's more. not that you it's not that they want your permission. They want to hear you say the words of that you will be okay. And that's what we had to say to my grandmother. Yeah, and I just we had to say that to my dad. Right. And then they went peacefully at that point. Yeah. We think. I hope. Yeah. I wasn't there when my dad actually finally passed. Mm-hmm. I, I went home that night and got the phone call the next morning. He woke up and was, I guess, awake for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that was it. And it goes on to say, by hope and not, you know, it don't have to deal with a cure, they are holding hope to mend relationship with loved ones and die peacefully. Because there's a lot of bad blood. Well, there's a lot of bad blood in families, and there's, you know, there's a lot of times when um, you're passing, and let's say you have, like, if you're a parent, and you haven't had a relationship with one of your children for a few years, but then, you know, mm. as children of parents, I mean, we have the decency to show when we find out our our, our parents is passing we're not going to be dicks i'm sure there's nobody out there that would just all of a sudden be like Psh, yeah whatever i ain't going no they show mm -hmm. they don't care how far they have to travel they show up and i don't even know where i was going with that well they say the worst thing you can do is keep the truth that they're dying from, you know, the person, because it, that could rob them of the chance to reflect on their lives and fulfill their final wishes. Well, I know when my grandma passed away, she's seen my grandfather sitting at the foot of her bed. Now, do you? that's an interesting point. Do you think that's real, or do you think it's like, the scientists say, well, it's the chemicals in the brain. I don't believe that part. I think it's real. So I, do I. I I'm going to be honest with you. And, that, and it's not just because I believe in that kind of stuff, which I do. But I, I personally feel that I think my grandma did see him. And he, a lot of people do see that stuff You know, when they're dying. I mean, and to this day, I'm still on the fence where my grandpa went, but... <laughs> it's not for us to decide. It's not for us to decide, but... That had to be a traumatic experience for your grandmother. What, when he passed? Yeah. Yeah, because she wouldn't uh, admit to it. Well, if you'd like to share, you can. Uh, my my grandfather, um, he was really sick. Mm-hmm. And he's not one for hospitals or doctors or any of that. So um, being where they lived in Wisconsin, he, he took his own life mm -hmm. and shot himself in the temple. Which isn't really any different if you think about it. It as was his doctor-assisted death. It was his own version of euthanasia, I guess you can say. Because and when you she, get pain, she found him, 
and it was probably three or four years before she actually said that he killed himself. She she mm-hmm. never believed it. I can't really blame him. <clears throat> if you're in such pain. He was in so much pain he could barely walk anymore. I mean, he was he wasn't a young buck, but and he was always such an Well, that's man. a subject in itself is doctor assisted suicide. But he Yeah, if we want to go there. Hmm. I think we'll cover that on the next segment cuz that's really interesting he, uh He he actually uh, my grandfather's words was uh he was going to do her in and then take himself out. Now that's fucked up. That's that murder was, suicide. But that's what he was intending because that was when he she was going through uh, the breast cancer and had the mastectomies and everything. For Do you her think breast. he was getting delusional? No, I think he just said that they're both they both lived enough and he was going to take her out and then take himself out. And instead, he just took himself out. See, at that point, I wouldn't uh, agreed with that. He just took himself, and that was it. Mm. And the way they do things up there is weird. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to talk about Dr. Uh, assisted Suicide. And Dr. The, Kevorkian? Well, no, not just him, but the moral obligations and the way religion looks at it, the way normal people look at it. What's normal? Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's what we have to find out and discuss, what we agree and what not. But I think I think when people, they know when they're going to go. Mm-hmm. They really do. Um, they can. It's almost like they can feel it. And they actually want it. Some do. I know my dad did. He was in so much pain that he just wanted the pain to end. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, when they're at home on hospice, like with my dad... They stop all their medication, uh, you know, and with him having Parkinson's, uh, it the whole body starts to stiffen up like basically like rigor mortis mm-hmm. without taking the medication for the Parkinson's. So he was in constant pain, and the only thing that we could do for him was like this pink little spongy Q-tip and put morphine on it and rub it inside his mouth. I mean, that was all we were able to do. Mm. And I don't know how many times my two brothers and I, or even my uncle, his own brother, said that, you know, if this goes on any any longer, is there a way we can just give him a little too much of that morphine? And they do that all the time. Because he's in so much pain. And the hospice nurse, she goes, I didn't see nothing. Well, that's the way the hospice nurses are. We didn't do it. He passed on his own, but... I would think if I was in that position myself, I would expect you to do it. Yeah, he was in such excruciating pain. I mean, every time I was over there, I would try and exercise his legs, you know, like, to try and get him not so stiff. But it was most of the time touching him, because we had to turn him all the time from one side to the other, and... He he would he would yell out in pain. But do you? Well, see, like I just said, I'd expect that out of you. Puff me up, pin me up with that shit. Give me a quadruple fucking dose. Yeah, we we didn't do it. I don't think that's you know. 
I think the reason why, I mean, we all we all had kind of like a conscience and didn't want to be the one that did that. But at the same time, he, he wasn't finished yet mm-hmm. because, you know, the last person other than myself to tell him that, you know, even though I in my head didn't mean it, but, you know, tell him it was okay to go. Um, he wanted to hear it from my mom. And his own brother. What I don't like about the thing you were talking about, her seeing your grandfather standing there. Sitting at the edge of her bed. She even told my mom she was sitting right next to her in the in the hospice room uh, where she was at. And she said, you know, your dad's here. Mm-hmm. Did it freak your mother out? Yeah, she actually she looked. <laughs> she, don't, she don't believe in that stuff, so. She does now, don't she? She does now. Because my they, my they, grandmother actually had a conversation with him, but of course my mother could only hear what my grandma was saying. Mm-hmm. But her and my, but it seemed real. Her and my grandmother and my grandfather were having a conversation, and my mother did tell me that she said that she's going to see him real soon. Now, they blame it on mental confusion. I don't believe that at all. I don't either, because my dad had Parkinson's-related Alzheimer's and dementia. And when we were all saying our goodbyes to him, he was the most with it in his mind that I've seen him the whole time he had Parkinson's. So it, what, it didn't have to do he with was, mental he, confusion. He was more lucid than I've, I've seen him in the past the, the couple years prior. So I don't think that's, I think that's false. Some people do have anxiety, though. Yeah. During it. Yeah. Do you they're think afraid. that's because they're they're not afraid of the actual dying, but the regrets? Yeah. Well, they're afraid of leaving their family. Well, that aside, do you think they feel bad about some of the stuff they did during their lifetime? That's why they got anxiety? That's possible. I really do think that's possible. I'm sure that's not for like not in every situation, but in some situations, yeah, they're 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 regretful for things that they did or didn't do, or most most of the time for things that they did, mm-hmm. and they don't think they're gonna, you know, maybe they're have a toss up in their mind and fighting with themselves on where they're gonna go mm-hmm. afterwards because they're trying to re, you know, sit there and think, was I a good person? A lot of us wonder what dying feels like, what it actually feels like, and their answer is, while we can observe another person's death and perhaps imagine what it feels like for them, there is no way to actually know how it feels. Nope. Not unless it happens. And And there are people that say that they've died and come back. Yes, but then again, they blame that on chemicals. It's not. Not with that little boy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He floated above his body and got to see his parents in two separate rooms upset because he was dying. And he never died. He that came. was a very good one. Yeah. That was a good... That's a good book and a good movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. I always say the biggest questions we ever have is... The ones that are sitting in the cemetery, they're the ones that know right now. Yeah, they're the only ones. You know, the big questions in life. What happens? Mm-hmm. Well, they know. 
We're never gonna know. But you know, you know, it's kind of when you, when you see someone and you're in the room with them when they pass, or even if it's you know an hour or two after they pass. I mean, I was the one, I, I was the one that closed my dad's eyes mm. when I got there, and I looked in his eyes and and it was empty. It is, ain't it? It was like when you look in their eyes when they've passed away. It's like that's just like when they're in a casket. It's empty. I mean, it. it, There, it's like he's looking at me, but there's nothing. I mean, he's deceased, but it's like, do you know what I mean? There's nothing there. There's, there's nothing like when you look in their eyes. When I was closing his eyes for the final time, um, it was like pure emptiness. Like I saw nothing. That's and that was that was actually that was actually more heartbreaking closing his eyes for the final time than it was telling him it was okay to go. I was at peace telling him it was okay to go. And I felt he was. But when you're standing over them and you put your hands over their eyes and you close their eyes that last time, right before I did it, I looked him in the eyes and I saw it was just pure empty and I felt nothing. That's like, because I had the, no... soul, uh, the souls, uh, it exited the body. That's I had... why I believe the soul. Yeah, I had like no feeling, no emotion at that point, and you'd think I'd be bawling my eyes out because of the situation. I had I I I had exa- like no emotion at that point whatsoever, like nothing. Like I felt It's because they're not who I they felt, were. That I you felt remember. upset, but at the same time I had I I nothing. There was nothing. Because maybe they're, they're not, not there. there no more. They're not there. They're not the person that you knew. No. There there's the soul's gone. And maybe that was the best thing for them. And it's very interesting when you talk about that. Because when you talk about somebody in a coffin, mm-hmm. you to tell something's not there. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. And that's the weirdest feeling in the world. If, it, if it's somebody that you're really close to and you're at their, you know, at their funeral... Um, I felt it at, cause I was, I was actually really close to my grandpa. So when they had his funeral open casket, that, that was weird. Um, you feel nothing like there's a nothingness, there's an emptiness. And what's even weirder is you go from upset to accepting right away. At least I feel, I feel subconsciously. Yeah, I think I did. I mean, there you got all these people. You got you got all the family and friends at the funeral, um, or at the memorial or wake or whatever people call it now, or the celebration of life is what a lot of people call it now. Mm-hmm. And it's if it's an open casket, it's like you got this half of the room sitting there crying and all upset. Then you got another part of the room where they're reminiscing about. Hey, remember when, you know what I mean? And talking about specific parts of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, then you got the little few that are just like, okay. And this was, I was a part of this few where you just sit there and you're just like, you, you, you can't cry anymore. You can't feel anything anymore. Like I, I think the hardest thing for me that day was walking our son up there Mm-hmm. And he ran out the door. Right. He wouldn't do it. You had to take him home. How do you explain? You know, you bring that up. 
anytime I go to a funeral, I feel nothing. No crying, no nothing. Don't feel shit. Ain't that fucked up? I always said you were morbid, but then the sad part is, is I'm the same way. I don't... When my grandfather died, when my grandmother died, I was close to her. Not a tear. Mm Mm-mm. But it comes to a fucking dog, I'm fucking dying over here. (laughs) You can't even go. I can't even go. I can't. No. I'm the biggest pussy around. You and I are both there with our husky. And that's the last time I'll ever do that. And then I put Harley, our pit... Mm-hmm. Our American bully, I put her down with our kids. Right. Brittany had to leave. She went outside to the car. I can't do it. You stayed home. Yeah, I can't be there. And our son was the one that stayed in the room the majority of the time with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, why do you think there's a difference between an animal and a human? You know, we're going to have to answer that question when we come back. Very interesting business. I went to a party last Saturday. I didn't get laid, I got in a fight uh-huh. It ain't no big thing Late for my job and the traffic was bad Had to borrow ten bucks from my old man uh-huh. It ain't no big thing
Trusted Biker News now at HarleyLiberty.com. Founded in 2012, Insane Throttle Biker News has been the place that all bikers come for what's happening in the scene. Go over now and bookmark HarleyLiberty.com. Rock Remember that one documentary that we watched where 
It's usually when you go into a coma, it's not you just wake up and you know what's going on and shit like that. Yeah. Well, there was a miracle out in West Virginia. A woman woke up from a two-year coma after being attacked. And as soon as she woke up, she was able to identify her brother who did it. Right after waking up. Because usually they're in a, a state that sometimes they actually don't wake up from. And even though they got their eyes open and shit like that. But this kind of stuff is unheard of. And it goes on to say, West Virginia authorities uh, announced the arrest of a man in the attempted murder of his sister after she woke up from a two-year coma. And they said they wouldn't wager the nickel that she would have made it. When they asked why Daniel assaulted her, Wanda stated that he was mean. She knew who did it, even after two years in a coma. How old was she, does it say? Nah, it doesn't say... How well, 55. Oh, no, that was the Daniel was 55 who uh, did it to her. I think that the defense is going to try to use that. Well, she was in a coma, she don't know what's going on. Well, uh, she probably thinks she woke up and it's the next day. We'll discuss that on another episode, too. You know, you're just coming up with some good shit today, man. What the hell? Holy cow. But going back to the one thing, why do you think animals mean so much more than that can kick you in the nuts when they die compared to a person? I don't know. Animals are like family. They're like your kids. Do you think there's a different bond? Well, yeah, there's a different bond with a pet. A it pet is like deep. a child. Well, that and they're the most loyal. Maybe that's why it's hard to let them go. Well, you should know. Anyway... You talked about life support. Yeah. Do you think it's fair to keep somebody on life support? Even though they might not have had a choice in the matter or never discussed it with you? I think it depends on the situation. Okay, for example, here we go. For example, when my grandfather shot himself in the head... They put him immediately on life support when they got him to the hospital. My grandmother had no clue what her husband would have wanted because there was no will. There was no, like, living will. And, well, at that point, though, he shot himself. Yeah, it's a given. So that would have been a different story where you said, yeah, take him off of life support. But, I mean, I'm just giving a for instance mm -hmm. where she didn't know whether or not to do what to do, so they actually had to call my mother, and then my mom had to call her brother, and then they had to talk about it. Then my mom actually asked me. <laughs> yeah, here's me in college sitting on the floor doing homework, and she's asking me, what, what would you do? And I'm like, Ma, he shot himself. He don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Let him go. So if it wasn't that type of situation and it was uh, unexpected, wouldn't taking them off of life support without having that talk and stuff like that rob them of being able to uh, get stuff in line? 
even though they're unconscious, they might be still be able to do it by hearing it. Well, they say when people are unconscious and stuff, they can still hear you talking. Mm-hmm. They just can't respond back. That's a real interesting issue, uh, life support. Yeah. I always say, better. give me 30 days. If I'm not up in 30 <laughs> days, take me off the shit. That's why you need to have that discussion with your spouse or have something in writing, mm-hmm. like a living will, which states, Very your, important which states your wishes on if something happens to you, this is what you want to have done. Me, personally, I don't want to be on machines. So you don't want to give it a couple days or any of that to make sure that you can't get back up. I say give it like a week, and if I'm not coming back up, take me down. And you'll be happy with that decision. Yeah, that's why it's Brittany and Corey's decision, not yours. Why is it not mine? Because you'd leave me on there. Why, because I wouldn't want to let go? Yes. I know the kids wouldn't want to let go either, but they know that those were my wishes and they'd let me go. I'd probably be going crazy on the doctors. Yes. Yeah, that's why. You, it's. I'm not leaving it to you. I'm leaving it to our children's decision, not yours. Hmm. Interesting. Find out something new every day, don't you? <laughs> I wonder if our audience uh, has that kind of stuff where... You guys got, uh, you guys got some living wills? You guys have that discussion about the what Where ifs? they don't want to put the burden on the spouse because they know how they would react. I mean, if you really think about it, and I hate being disgustingly morbid, but if you really think about it, have you ever sat down with your spouse and had that conversation or... Or even with your kids and had that conversation, if it comes down to this, this is what I want to have done. We have. We've had the discussion. I know I have a copy of my mom's living will. But you don't got a living will. Yes, I do. You do? I've just never had it autographed and notarized, but I do have one. So you have to have it autographed and notarized. Uh, It's kind of hard when our daughter's five and a half hours away. Uh, But now that our son is 18, he can actually sign it. Mm. You're not. You, like, act like I'm an ass. Dude, because you wouldn't let me go, man. You'd keep me here. (laughs) Propped up in the fucking studio or something, you fucking weirdo. I would, wouldn't I? (laughs) Bring the machines over here. We'll put her on camera to be like we're doing stuff. Maybe it'll wake you up. Dude, shut up. You're terrible. It would. I'd be over here busting on you and shit like that. You'd wake up and say, you know, you, it'd I'd be tell a you miracle. to eat a bag of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd actually help the situation. Oh, no. <laughs> it's time to cruise with your sex drive. Grab onto your clutch. Put your mind in the air for masturbation and sexual stimulation. Dare you to tell the truth and get your ass out of neutral. It's time to get your porn. Why are you sitting over there laughing at me and shit like that? Every time I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Sexual stimulant. What the fuck do you even say? You say it well, wrong. It, it, even it, it, it's funny. I told you I'm a hooked on phonics dropout from English class. I'm sitting here over there. I would do some stupid shit like that. I'd make them sit you in the corner with all your machines. And I do the show. I would do some stupid shit like that. 
and it would wake you up because you couldn't resist saying, you go eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> and then she'd go back down. <laughs> she'd wake up just to do that and then go back to sleep. What do we got for our get your porn on? What do we got? I, I got something for the girls. Ah, shit. Here we go. I got something for the girls. By the way, girls, you can go over to Facebook. China Dow has a huge Facebook group of just women. Yeah. Sisters. Sisterhood of Bikers. Sisterhood of Bikers. That's her group. Yeah. You got a thousand only women. Yeah, all women. On that side. I couldn't fucking believe it. No, I'm just shy of a thousand, actually. So if you're a woman, meaning you got a cooter, you can go over there. And trust me, I check. And she does check for fake accounts and all that kind of stuff. And it's nothing but women on there. It is Sisterhood of Bikers, ladies only. I am actually at 995 members at this specific So get over there and give her a thousand, man. It's just for you women to be able to talk, talk about, you know, you got a lot of women over there that get together. Yeah, actually, because I have one, one of my questions in there is for everybody to put where they're from. And it's kind of great because... People are seeing other people from where they're living. I've got people contacting each other in Canada. I've got actually two people in Alaska. That that, got together. That got together and they went riding. I've got people in that that live in the same states and they have actually met up and went riding together because of this page. That's beautiful stuff. So get on over there. And join it. Five away from a thousand women. Oh my god, it's like a menstrual party in there. And there's always lovely pictures that I post in there. And and you can post anything you want. It's women only. So what's your question with the women here? <laughs> women? Okay, this is going to bring you back to childhood women. Childhood. Remember playing with Ken and Barbie? Oh my god, here Did we go. Did you ever make Ken and Barbie do it? <laughs> You know you did. You know you did. I did. <laughs> Ken and Barbie were 69 and a lot, even though I had no clue what you the fuck that was. You didn't know what 69 and was, did you? No, not when I was like 10, but they were doing it. You know what? I got a granddaughter that age, you asshole. They don't have Barbies. <laughs> they don't play with Barbies. <laughs> No wonder you're the way you are. <laughs> Dude, Ken and Barbie were getting busy when I was You're 10. whacked the fuck out, man. They were doing it. Even though Ken had drawn on underpants and Barbie, yeah. You notice they it always goes to taking the clothes off the fucking dolls, and I never got that. My Barbies were naked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're sitting in here with just your underwear? Yeah, kind of. I'm always half naked. She always is. She walks around the house half naked. I don't care. Then the minute she sees a pubic hair, she runs into the bathroom. Gotta get it. Gotta get that off. Gotta get it off. <laughs> she mm-hmm. likes being bare. Naked. Okay, so that was just like the fun for the women, okay? I just, I, I, I had to ask. Because you know we all did it, you freaking liars, if you say you didn't. Or, hey, guys, did you steal your sister's Barbies and do it? <laughs> I didn't have sisters, so I never had to do it. You know what my brothers did to my Barbies? Okay, my older brother, 
We used to go on vacation. I'd come home and all my Barbies would be fucking decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> I'd come home to headless fucking Barbies. Every fucking time. Headless Barbies. Oh, it's my very goodness. very sad. Okay. Now, this is for everyone. Have you ever eaten food off someone's body? Yeah, it's not as sexy as anybody says it is. Yeah, see, I don't understand. I, I mean, eat we, whipped cream off We've done you. the whipped cream, the chocolate syrup, you know, and, and whatever. Like, get me a strawberry, dip it in my belly button filled with whipped cream, whatever. We've done that shit. But I don't understand why people find that sexy, because I find it really gross and messy. And sticky. <laughs> and it's sticky. And then you just feel like you need to shower. <laughs> it's like... Do, why why do people find that sexy? I mean, I can I can get doing like shots out of chicks belly buttons and I mean that's some cool shit, but mm. Are you going to do a shot out of uh, the bartender's uh, belly button? No. Maybe. <laughs> I'll ask her next week. Yeah, I'll ask her on Friday. I'll be like, "Yo, get up here on the bar." <laughs> I need to do a shot. But seriously, I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, I think it's gross, but some people are into that, so I'm just... Some I'm just, are, yes. I'm just being nosy as hell, because I don't care. Because well, I can. Well, it looks like we got a bunch of good topics coming up, so... And yes, don't don't in. don't worry, we will still be doing our serial killer this week. Just not on today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all for Motorcycle Madhouse this morning. Don't forget to go over to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Install Insane Throttle TV's channel over on Roku. As well as go get the Insane Throttle radio app over on Google Play. Rock on until next.